Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. I am beyond excited for today's episode with Sam Vanderweilen. It is a great one all about how to make your business legally legit. This is going to be a really good hands-on episode where you're going to learn all about the difference between registering for your business as a sole proprietor or becoming incorporated versus LLC, what steps you need to take to register your business, if you need practice insurance or a client contract, and many other different things that we jump into, um, especially talking about taking the fear out of making your business legally legit, because I think a lot of us are scared of the legal. I know that I was. I didn't even know I needed a contract, and I think a lot of us feel intimidated when it comes to the legal part of our business. So Sam really digs into this and makes us feel like we do not need to be scared anymore. So Sam is an attorney turned entrepreneur who coaches creatives and legally helps them to grow their business through her DIY legal templates and fearlessly legal ultimate bundle program. She helps women get legally legit so they can get paid, register their biz, protect their content and fearlessly build their own business. Sam lives outside of Philadelphia with her husband, Ryan. She loves to read, drink great coffee, me too, Sam, work out and travel the world trying new foods and cooking classes. So let's welcome Sam to the podcast. Hey, Sam. Thanks so much for being here. Hey, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am like beyond excited to have you on the podcast because I have been following you for a really long time. And as I mentioned before we started recording, I um, refer everybody to you. Oh, thank you. I so appreciate that. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think when it comes to being a nutritionist, being a health coach, anyone in the health industry, we learn how to um, do health or approach health problems and help our clients, but we don't learn the business background. We don't learn how to actually structure the business. So it is like legally sound. And I know I didn't even know I needed a contract. So to speak with someone like you and really for the people out there just starting out, I think that this is going to put them on the right path right away so that they can implement this all and have a really like legally sound business right from the beginning. Yes, I certainly hope so. And, you know, for any of you who are ready to like exit out of this interview because you're like, oh, legal, like I don't want to listen to that. I swear that I am not scary. <laughs> I'm not going to threaten anybody. I don't I don't do the fear thing. Um, but I also try to break this down in a simple way. Um, and one of the things kind of like Stephanie mentioned that really bugs me about the fact that this isn't taught or talked about in a lot of different programs and schools is that they're kind of sending you out into the world, like thinking you can do whatever or not telling you what you can and can't do. And that can get you into a lot of trouble. But what I actually see more often than not is that it keeps people very stuck. And so they are stuck in this place where they don't know what they can or can't do. So they just kind of stay or they water their business down. That's something that I talk with women a lot about. So I'm really hoping that if that's you or that's something that you've been feeling lately, like you'll leave today just feeling a little bit clearer about where, you know, you can head next. 
Yeah, I I totally get what you're saying in terms of people being stuck in the fear or watering it down. I think so many people get stuck in that area. And it's so sad because there's so much brilliance to be put out into the world, but we stop ourselves because of things like legal. And I hear this all the time. Yes. And from my perspective, one of the reasons I wanted to leave the law and and one of the things that drove me crazy was that I felt like we were no people. I felt like our job was for people to come to us and have these amazing ideas and they had all this enthusiasm and they were excited to start a business or put something out there. And lawyers are just kind of the like, nope, you can't do that. Nope, that won't work. Nope, don't do that. And so one of the things that I find really cool about my job nowadays is helping women to be like, well, it's not that you can't do that. It's just like, how about we try it this way? Like maybe we shift Mm -hmm. it from a one-to-one thing to like a group program because that can avoid a lot of scope of practice issues. Like just even like creative stuff like that is it's legal is not always about just shutting you down. It's maybe just figuring out how you can offer something in a safer way. Mm, I love that. It's like educating yourself so you can open yourself up to more opportunities. Yeah. And so if that's also going to make you be more confident to actually put information out there to not water yourself or your information or your business down, like everybody wins, you know, in this scenario. And so I I just see so many, I, I, like I offer these free legal checkup calls each week and when so many women will start out the call, like I was going to put this out there, but then I got freaked out. So what I decided was I would do this instead. And it's mm. always like the next or third best, you know, version of whatever they actually imagine. So I kind of consider it my job to help people put these original dreams into reality and just doing it in a safer way. Yeah, that's, that's really true. And I mean, what you do is so needed. So again, I'm super excited to have you here. I know that this conversation is going to be a great learning tool for a lot of people listening in. So why don't we just get started with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you kind of went from being an attorney to an an entrepreneur that helps other coaches legally protect their businesses. Yeah, thanks. So I had a winding path to get here, that's for sure. Um, Hopefully somebody else can relate. But um, I was a corporate attorney in the Philadelphia area where I'm from and where I still live um, for about five years. And I pretty much hated it from day one. Uh, I kind of had a, oh, no, what did I do (laughs) type of reaction on like my first day of work. I'll I'll never forget it. Um, And really spent the next five years or at least most of those five years stuck in victim mode. So I was very like, why did this happen to me? Like, what did I do wrong that I became an attorney? And why is this so bad? Why is it so hard for me? you know, everyone else around me seems to be just like floating along. Why can't I do that? And so I really spent a lot of time just kind of swirling in that and then got more and more wrapped up. And if anybody's ever been like a bad career job situation, it's kind of funny how it happens. It's like, you already don't like it. And then you start being really negative about it, which just feeds into like more negativity. And it kind of just like snowballed, to be honest. Um, And it wasn't until I had this like what felt to me as a near death experience on a flight home from Amsterdam back to Philadelphia that uh, I just had this moment where I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is a choice. And I've I'm every single day I'm actively making a choice to get up and go do this. And I am like literally passively watching my life pass by. And I am not that I was I felt very disconnected from that kind of person because I didn't 
identify as the kind of person who would sit back and watch things happen. I was uh, in my mind, at least, and it had previously just been like a real go-getter. You know, if I wanted something, I made it happen. And so um, I had that moment. And then I was like, what, you know, I had been thinking about and starting to see like online, you know, all these health coaches and food bloggers and everything to do with health and food and wellness that I loved it was becoming a big industry. And so I was like, well, if other people are doing this, I think that I would like to do it. And I'd like to get away from the law for a bit and try something new. So I actually did all the legal steps, of course, that I now help people um, to do, which I'm really glad I went through that experience of setting up a different kind of business, you know, than legal. So I did all of that while I was still an attorney full time, did, uh, did, built up a health coaching practice um, eventually left the law firm and went full-time as a health coach and built up an online health coaching business for about a year. And while I was doing that, I was starting to go to like workshops and conferences and meet people online. And no matter how hard I tried to get away from the lawyer thing, everybody pretty much reached out to me and would say, like they would book my free call and say, oh, I want to become a health coach. Or I'm a nutritionist. Or I'm an RD. And I want to know what do I need to do for legal when it comes to online business. I'm like, why are you asking me? So <laughs> I was like, this isn't what I'm doing. So it was funny. But at the same time, I started to really love when those emails would start to pop up in my inbox. And I would get excited because um, I felt very useful. And I felt like I was actually solving a legitimate problem in a what felt like such a healthier way than what I was doing when I was at the firm. It was really making an impact. People were really appreciative. And I realized that women were really confused and I kind of started to piece all of this together. Like, of course they're confused and of course they're intimidated. And of course this is too expensive. Those are all the things that I experienced when I was there. So I thought like, how can I create a better way to get women online, these access to resources and trainings and legal templates like contracts and website policies in a way that's not only more affordable, obviously, but really like a, a unique style of empowering women to feel like fearless in going forward to build their own business. So that's what I did. I created my current business, my only business, Sam Vanderweelen LLC, which is where I help coaches and creatives online legally protect and grow their businesses with my DIY legal templates and my ultimate bundle program. So um, that's where over two years later, yeah, over two years later, no looking back, that's for sure. Um, things have been great. And I'm super happy and proud to say that I've now helped thousands of women um, get legally legit, as I call it, in their online business. So it's it's been an incredible experience. That is amazing, Sam. I love that story because I think so many of us can wonder like, you know, a lot of us just don't start out with health coaching or, or doing nutrition. We have a past and we wonder like, was that a waste of time? Like, how am I going to utilize oh, yeah. this moving forward? And for you, yeah, sure. In a sense, you went back to that previous career, but you're using it in a really like synergistic way or collaborative way. And it's just so crazy. It gives me like goosebumps to think that, you know, our life plan just ends up making sense in the end. Yeah, it, it's been such a great experience because, um, you know, while I was an attorney and I was really stuck in that why me phase, like, why is this happening to me? And then I started the health coaching business and I almost started to like dip my toes back down that path of like, why isn't this feel like the right fit either? Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I find something? And then I was like, no, nope, you know what? This is going to be a valuable experience because even when I had just started a health coaching business, being an attorney was super valuable. I mean, I knew what to do. I did my own contracts. I knew how to start my business, do my taxes. So 
I've just kind of come to learn now through several more experiences since then that like every experience that we have, and this is why I share this part of my background is just that like, you might not understand why you're experiencing something right now or why something's been a little difficult, but every single experience that you have will be a valuable one. You just might not know exactly why right now. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's very, very true. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah um, I think you really illuminate how, how scary it does feel to come into this new profession, you know, as a health coach or nutritionist and just be fearful of what it is. And, and like you said earlier, you know, it's kind of like lawyer or attorney, you know, versus you, right? In some mm-hmm. scenarios, you can feel very like separate, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I love how your approach is to make it more collaborative and to empower people. Because um, I think that that's really, really important. And that's what we're doing as nutritionists and health coaches. So it's it's great to work with people to build your business that are on the same wavelength and have the same values as you do. Yeah. And my biggest mission every day is to turn legal from being something that you only tackle because you're afraid of being sued to tackling because you have something worth protecting and really shifting into that more empowering state and not the fearful state. Because this is what I always start out with in like workshops and talks and all of these kinds of things about how it's so useless to waste all of your time or any time really worrying about someone suing you, especially in America or Canada, really, um, where it is so insanely easy to sue someone. And so like in America, for example, it's just a very litigious society. People put, there's a lot of like advertising around it. And there's almost, I mean, every day that I watch TV, I'm like disgusted by watching attorneys, like basically begging people to sue other people, you know? So Mm -hmm. It's just like, that is what we're dealing with. And so you, it's kind of at a crossroads where like you either just say, yeah, that's part of doing business, right? Is creating my own business that this is the world that we live in and this is the way, and that is like a way bigger problem than us or this conversation or this country or anything like that. Or you can like say, yeah, that's like just part of the structure of what I'm dealing with and I'm going to go forward anyway. And the point of having legal is to protect yourself if anything ever happens not to prevent anything from ever happening because that's just a useless exercise. And so what I always, you know, analogize this to with my nutrition clients is like, that'd be like promising a client that if they are become a raw vegan, that they will prevent any disease, you know, for the rest of their life, they'll never be sick. They'll never get cancer. They'll never experience illness. And it's like, that's not true. And that's also just not why we eat well and take care of ourselves. It, there, there are a whole lot of other things that we experience between now and then. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for putting it in that way because, I, again, it just goes back to the empowering thing of, you know, this might happen because it does happen, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we have to let that stop us. And I love how you said um, it's switching the mindset to, you know, I have something worth protecting yeah. and that vision or that like, just like life's purpose, you know, and to not do that because of fear, because of, you know, the legal stuff that we don't understand when we get into this. Um, that's really unfortunate if we let that stop us. So yeah, for sure. So much good work would be put beside us. And one of the things I've just started to really dive deeper into is this notion lately that 
part of switching that mindset from the like, I'm just afraid to get sued to the I have something worth protecting is this belief, this self belief and determination that you will be successful. Because what I'm starting to see after having worked with thousands of people, the women who I have spoken to who have been nervous to invest in legal or nervous to set up officially their business or something like that, I'm starting to notice that the pattern is that they're not trusting in themselves and they're not trusting that they're going to make it work. And so if they're not sure that they're going to make it work, then why invest? Why get something set up? Why go through all the trouble of having something official if I might not even make it work? And so that's a very interesting kind of pattern for me to start seeing. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Again, I just got chills. I'm like, that is so many people. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Like we do that. We hold ourselves back um, in fear it's not going to work, but we don't give ourselves a chance to even try. Yeah. It's kind of like keeping yourself where you're at so that you, like if you never go up to swing the bat, like you don't hit a home run, but you also never have the opportunity to strike out either. So you just kind of like stay where you are. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You're good with the analogies. I, love that. <laughs> I think about this stuff a lot. <laughs> it shows that you know your stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So why don't we just go into um, really now talking about what it looks like to le- legally protect your business. So I would love to first ask you um, probably the first question that I get from a lot of my clients or a lot of students that I teach at the nutrition school is, um, kind of where do you even start and what is the difference between, you know, your choices for registering your business as like a sole proprietor or incorporating your business? Like what does this even look like and where do you start? Yeah, sure. So it's such a great question. I know that a lot of times it's just uh, like the the nerves about where to start can hold us back from really doing anything. So this is a really good step to unlock everything else. Um, but first things first, I mean, I always talk about registering your business. So like legitimizing your business, um, officially speaking, it it starts with registering your business. And so in America and really in Canada as well, picking a business entity type. So um, in America, we're usually deciding between a sole proprietorship and an LLC, which stands for limited liability company. So um, those are the two most popular entity types there. I believe in Canada, the, the equivalent is incorporation. So you incorporate mm-hmm. is like equivalent to LLC. So uh, it, you're choosing this business entity type, and that's essentially like choosing the structure of your business. So for example, if you become a sole proprietorship, that has certain limitations on it that being an LLC or incorporating, for example, don't. So for example, um, an, a sole proprietorship can only ever be owned by one person, you, you know, whoever is the person that registers it. So if you have a business partner, for example, that option is out for you. Whereas like the opposite is true in America, like it, we have a business entity type called partnership and you might imagine, or you can guess that that's the opposite, right? So not one person can't become a partnership, has to have two or more. So business entity types, when you're picking your type, you're really kind of choosing like the structure. Some of them have some rules or requirements, like what we just talked about. Some of them have certain legal limitations, um, structural limitations, like all kinds of things. So um, in America and, and in Canada, the one that people pick the most. So in America, the one we pick the most is usually LLC and then in Canada, incorporation. And so the reason that people in America at least pick an LLC um, over sole proprietorship or something else. Um, and by the way, more than one person can be an owner of, of an LLC. You can join as mul- like multiple members. 
But the reason that we do that is because there's some personal liability protection within LLC, whereas a sole proprietor has absolutely no personal liability protection. And what that essentially means is that there's no separation between you as the person and you as the business. So if someone sues your business or there's a debt of your business, you are personally responsible if you're a sole proprietor. Whereas if you had an LLC, then there is some personal liability protection there. So if someone sues your business, they sue your business, not you personally. And that means that only the things that your business owns are fair game. So that is really the first step is kind of like looking at the pros and cons. I always suggest to women like, Look at the pros and cons. Um, it's in your state, by the way, if you're in America or your province in Canada. So you look at the pros and cons where you live. You see what um, maybe based on your like personal situation, financial and family situation, what kind of business you're going to start and how you're going to work with people. I would take a look. Like if you lived in California, I'd Google like California business entity types or something like that. I would just start looking at the different types and what the pros and cons are as they relate to you. And I would really lovingly encourage you at this step to like exit out of all the Facebook groups, stop asking all the non-lawyers and stop listening to all the (laughs) advice that you see from all of these people. Or like, even if you're in a group or something like that, because I, this is the area where I just see the most, not only the most misinformation, but like really damaging information. Um, So this is really the first and biggest, I think, step after this, everything's pretty simple. Okay. So first we have to kind of figure out, well, obviously where we live, start Googling, like what are the different business entities and then look at what makes the most sense for me and my situation. Yep. You want to look at the pros and cons for you. Um, Obviously, like I was saying, like you would look at some of them and say you would automatically be knocked out for some. So if you own your business by yourself, like I do, then a partnership's off the table, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, if once I see that sole proprietorship offers no personal liability protection, that one's off the table. So th- there are d- different ones that work for different people. Um We could have a whole episode dedicated to like the taxation issue because there's a lot of misinformation around um, how we're taxed as individuals in America, especially we're taxed the same, whether you're a sole proprietorship or an LLC, you're taxed as an individual unless you elect otherwise, but the default is individual. So there are a lot of mis, there's a lot of misinformation out there about like, um, oh, it's, I heard it's going to be more expensive or I shouldn't do this till I make more money or until I have more clients and Pretty much all of that is not true for uh, one reason or another. So it's really like busting through all of that to just look at this list and figure out what actually works for you. Yeah, for sure. And I know that um, like I followed you online for a really long time and you're messaging usually, and correct me if I'm wrong, but usually you are trying to promote that people legally protect themselves in the best way. Like if it's an LLC or incorporating your business kind of from the beginning, is that right? Oh yeah. So one of the biggest myths that, um, I see floating around is just about waiting and like, you know, I'm waiting for this to happen or I'm waiting for more clients, more money, all that kind of stuff. And one of the things I'm always trying to get out there the most is that this is the first thing I did when I started both of my businesses. So I didn't even have a website, let alone a client. Um, I don't, think I had any social media set up. I had no idea what my offerings were going to be. Nothing. I really had nothing. I I think I bought my domain, registered my LLC, um, and maybe got my EIN number like all on day one. Um, so that's in America. You know, we get the EIN number from the IRS. It's like our employee identification number. 
So I did all of that right from the beginning. And there are so many reasons why this is really important. But first and foremost, you want everything that you do basically moving forward to be in the name of your business. And you want to start that process as early and as often as possible. So you want to set up your business bank account in your business name. You want your contracts to be in your business name. You want your website policies to be in that name. Anytime you're advertising, which I think people just forget that like posting on social media is advertising. It's just modern day advertising, right? So if you're posting on Instagram and then encouraging people to contact you to talk about working with you, that's advertising. And so you never want to be in a situation where, you know, someone DMs you on Instagram and you're like, hold on a second, I have to go get an LLC first since that's going to be like a whole thing, right? And that's very unprofessional. But also the, there are a number of follow-up steps. It's one of the biggest things I teach inside the Ultimate Bundles, like just teaching women exactly what steps to take because you want to get your LLC, you want to set up your business bank account, then you want to connect all your payment gateways, like say you're using Stripe and PayPal or something like that. You want to connect them and everything should just like fall almost like dominoes in the name of your business. So it would be very silly to wait until you got a client or wait until you got more clients too, because that there's really no rhyme or reason for that one. Because as I'm always saying, I mean, there's unfortunately, there's no difference between your first client and like your 100th client. Either one could experience a problem or complain or stop paying you or, you know, whatever. It doesn't, there's really no rhyme or reason. So I don't really understand the logic of like not having this in place until later. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for explaining that. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was like, okay, I know that an LLC or I know that incorporating my business is the right first step to take, what logistically do they need to do now? Like, what would that look like in terms of, do they go into a physical location and set that up? Or is it different for each state or province? How does that look? Yeah. So in America, I'm pretty sure that every single state now has this as an online process. I've never had a client tell me that there were any like in-person steps required. So here it's usually um, an online form and process that you would, maybe there's something else you have to like mail in, but there shouldn't be anywhere you have to go. And the first, the first step that I always teach, so like step one is choosing the entity and then step two is then, okay, to get this entity type. So I've chosen that I want to get an LLC, for example, or I want to incorporate. What are the uh, steps required? What are the pieces, like the forms that are required? And I literally encourage my clients to just make a little list and then be like, okay, where are they? And where, like, how do I do this? And just literally like, it's a step-by-step -step process. Here in America, believe it or not, most states are pretty good. So you would Google like, if you knew you were going to do a California LLC, for example, you'd Google like California LLC registration. All, this is very important. Only ever go to the actual state's website or the province's website. You don't don't get wrapped up in the like legal Zoom NOLO, whatever. I don't know what all these places are called, but basically that's just like a lead to get you to use their services. So the and the information we just always don't always know whether it's up to date. So um, you always want to use the state's website because you actually register just straight through the state. It's not like done through any private like third party or something like that. So um, you would go straight to the state or the province's website and they should have a nice little neat list there for you somewhere that's like, you want an LLC? Okay, here's like step one, two, three, four, form one, two, three, four. They should have that listed for you. Um, of course, this is a process that you can do yourself. I always tell women that I work with, like, if you, if you were smart enough to start your own business, you are probably smart enough to do this too. But whether or not you want to do it is a different story. And some of my clients just feel a little bit better knowing that they have it in 
professional hands. So of course you can hire a local attorney. I would definitely shop around because they weigh overcharge. Um, it does not take very long and they will charge you a lot of money um, as if it did. Well, a lot of them will. Of course, there are plenty out there who will do it um, for affordable, you know, and they're, they're straight shooters. And then um, the other option that some people take is that they go to their accountants. So some accountants will mm. offer this as part of their service. Um, and sometimes that's a more affordable option. Then again, accountants are obviously not attorneys. So like there could be, you could be missing an opportunity to get some legal advice as to which option is best for you. Um, but that's something that you would have to kind of discuss with your accountant and see if you feel comfortable that he or she, you know, is, knows what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you discuss this with your clients, but is there some kind of price range that we could talk about in terms of, you know, giving someone a heads up of like what it would look like to incorporate their business kind of from start to finish, how much that might cost? So this is one of the reasons I started my business because lawyers don't do flat fees. Lawyers will typically do things by the hour. And so what you want to ask is, will you do this for a flat fee? If you talk to a lawyer, you want to ask them, will you do this for a flat fee? Okay, how much? And then you can always ask them what their hourly rate is. So if even if they're charging you flat fee, I think it's helpful to ask them what their normal hourly rate is because then that will give you a good idea if you divide that. And they tell you it's like, you know, it's like 10 hours of their hourly rate. You can be like, well, wait a minute. I looked, and this is exactly why, by the way, I teach women to go through this process themselves, even if they don't end up doing the registration themselves, because I want you to go and look at how much work is involved in doing this so that when you do call the lawyer and they tell you it's going to be like 2,500 us dollars or something like that, you can be like, well, wait a minute. I saw that it was just like two forms and I opened up the forms and they're not very long. So I don't really (laughs) understand like what else you're doing, you know? And I think that's where it can become empowering even just to have that information in front of you so that you're not taken advantage of. So you can ask them if they'll do it for a flat fee. Um, Unfortunately, those are just so different, like depending on where people live, you know, if people live in cities and rural or a business attorney versus like a local small attorney, it's totally different. Um, And then if they're going to do it for an hourly rate, I would be a little weary of that because then the concern is just like, well, how much do you normally end up charging people for this? Because that's one of the things that people find very uh, frustrating and intimidating about the laws. It's very open-ended and they don't give you any estimate of how much something's going to cost or how long it will take. Yeah. And then you're stuck with a bill after and you're like, but what, what even happened? Right. You don't know the process or like you said, if you know that it was two forms, but they quoted you 10 hours, something doesn't match up. And then it kind of reinforces that feeling of like, I don't trust this process. Exactly. Yes. So that's something that that's where I think that even when you don't um, end up registering yourself or doing other things in your business, like legally yourself, I think that's why so many of my clients have still found my resources really helpful because they feel educated when they go to talk to someone They're like, uh, that doesn't quite add up. Right. And so we need, I think, I think a lot of people have gotten away for way too long, um, with just taking advantage because people didn't know better. And now we have, you know, much more access to better resources. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, logistically, they would choose what they want to do, sole proprietor, LLC, or incorporated, or partnership, depending what the structure of their business Mm -hmm. might look like. They would then, you know, make sure, you know, based on the city or um, 
state or province they live in that they're following the right kind of steps for registering. And then they would potentially meet with an attorney or an accountant to sit down and, you know, have that actual registration completed. And then from there, what is the next step that someone would take? Yeah. So they, so just to note too, like you can do it yourself just because this is a question that I get asked a lot. People, some people think that attorneys have to do certain things for you and that's not true. There's, there, there are not very many things that attorneys have to do, by the way. Um, they don't have to register you. They don't have to register trademarks. They don't have to do a lot of that stuff. Um, so after you would do that, then that's when we would kind of jump into what I call like registration sub steps, which are like getting your bank account set up. And I, I definitely recommend getting a business bank account, which that's literally just a label. Like there's nothing different about the bank account other than the title. So getting that separate bank account set up and then connecting everything kind of like spaghetti arms, you know, to the, mm -hmm. from your business to the business bank account. So like all that PayPal Stripe stuff that we were talking about. Um, from there, the next step is typically getting business insurance because then I always talk with women about this is another reason why you get the business set up um, early on is because then your business insurance is in the name of your business. And so you're, uh, you're, that's actually what's insured. So now you're out there acting like your business. You are uh, insured in the name of your business. And this is what I call like the legally legit trifecta because it all kind of works together and flows together. So you're out there promoting your business, uh, giving yourself that personal liability protection. You've got the insurance to back it up just because now we understand that there's nothing really we can do to completely block people from suing us or something. And now you're out just get started. And so really from there, the next step that we can start talking about is um, website policies and contracts. Mm, okay. So I just, before we move on, um, a question that I get all the time is, if I register as a sole proprietor, is my business name protected? Like, can somebody else use that? And same goes for, you know, does that mean I should register as an incorporated or LLC business? And does that protect my name? What happens with the name? Do we ever have ownership over our business name? Yeah, so you can have business ownership over your name. I can't think that there, I don't think that there's a difference between if you were a sole proprietor versus an LLC. The only concern that I would have is that some I know that some states in America, for example, if you're a sole proprietor, you actually don't register anything. Like there's nothing you do. You just kind of like start operating. So my concern there with is that the registration process is also like putting people on notice because now if you Google the name or someone in your state goes to look to register the same thing or something like that, they'll see that there's already a business named that. So that's a lot of what the registration process does for us. So I can't really see a difference between a sole proprietor and an LLC unless it, you are in a state where you don't actually register your sole proprietorship. Um, but the way that you would actually go about protecting your business name, if you had a creative business name, so not like mine, not Sam Vanderwillen LLC, because we can't trademark our names. Um, if you had a creative business name, like Next Level Nutrition or something, then that's something that you would look to trademark. If that was something that was original to you, it's always step one that I teach people is like, first, make sure you're not violating anything. And then two from there is, is it trademarkable? And then do you want to go through with the trademark process? So that's like the real way, because technically speaking, someone can register another business name like of the same name in another state. But I just had a client recently who, um, registered her business in Wisconsin and she got a nasty letter like very quickly 
from another business in Texas who had the same name. And they got into it and went back and forth and I think reached some sort of friendly agreement. But people people get a little confused about that because the name will say that it's available in their state, but then someone else is using it in another state. That's kind of the, the issue that we're running into in Canada and America all, all across the world because people are working with people everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's rare now, unless you have like a brick and mortar store, um, it's rare now that like, you know, if I'm located in Philadelphia, I'm working with people all over the world. So my, I would want to protect my business everywhere pretty much. Mm, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not just, okay, if I'm running my online business from my little house in Victoria, BC, Canada, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm working with someone in the States, those laws are going to apply too. And I know you mentioned that a bit earlier. So just thinking of that and being, aware of that and putting the processes in place to get yourself legally protected is the right way to go. Yes, for sure. And whenever it comes to names, so like names of your business that are creative, not your not your personal name, uh, names of programs, names of products, like things like that, we're talking trademarks. So you, of course, when you're, re- these are kind of two separate issues. Like when you're registering your business, you need to make sure that your business name is available where you live and where you're going to register. But then on a separate kind of more like global business level, you want to make sure that no one else is using it. Obviously you're not infringing any trademarks. It's actually, it's funny. The very, very first step that I teach inside the ultimate bundle is it's the lesson is called, it's all in a name. And it goes exactly through this issue because people just pick business names sometimes and they don't realize like, there could be, it could be infringing on someone else's trademark. It could be the name of a book, you know, it could be someone else's business name. So you really want to do a lot of research up front just in case you haven't named your business already. You're in a good spot because now you'll know all of this stuff. Um, but you, yeah, you want to make sure that you're not infringing on anybody's trademark or anything like that. And then when it comes to names, you can always look at that trademark process and see if it's right for you. It's not always right for you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So, okay, so we've got the name figured out. We're looking at practice insurance or business insurance. Is there anything in particular you would suggest people look for in that insurance process, like something they need to have, or are all kind of business insurance or practice insurance is quite similar across the board? No, they are not similar across the board. And I see a lot of really bad business insurance. So I see people um, who will tell me all the time or they'll watch the business insurance training inside my bundle and they'll come and say, "Um, I think I have the right business insurance, right? And they'll ask me to take a look at it. And usually when I see like a quote unquote bad business policy, they're usually two bigger problems. So one is that sometimes it won't be in the right name. Uh, so like people will have it in their personal name or they'll have it in like their other businesses name that they used to have, but they're operating under a different name and like all of that stuff really matters. So having that all clear is very important. I think the second biggest problem I see is with limits, policy limits. So their limits will be woefully low um, or they also will have, um, they will not have coverage for things. Like I'll ask clients all the time, like, what do you think is covered by this? Oh, I just figured like anything I do in my business is covered. <laughs> and then we talk through it and it's like, Whoa, I didn't realize. So I think what's really important about that is to, again, this like comes back to awareness and empowering yourself with this information, knowing what the different kinds of business insurance are, which really for those of you listening, there are two major kinds that we can talk through. Um, and then talking with a business insurance agent who, if they don't already understand online business, then be willing to understand. Um, 
because where I've seen other problems, you know, usually related back to like someone worked with a business insurance agent who like just did not understand like virtual coaching and like anything online. So um, that can create a lot of problems. So finding someone who either already knows or is willing to listen and learn. Um, and then just kind of getting involved and in looking over these policy documents. And I, I do have to say one of the biggest issues I see are when people get those policies like from their program or their school, they tend mm-hmm. to be a little lackluster. Hmm. That's really good to know. Mm-hmm. That's usually the one that I'm recommending. So I'm going to have to get on the phone with them and see, is this really the best option? Yeah. yeah. And it's possible they are. I shouldn't, I sh- definitely shouldn't make like a uh, generalized statements. Like there, there could be some good one out there. I just have run across um, a couple that came from some coaching programs. And it's funny because it, you know, it's like any other insurance or any other thing in life in general is like, if it sounds too good to be true, like if you got this insurance through your school for like $200 a year, but everyone else you've been talking to is paying a thousand, like you can kind of understand that there's a little bit of it. There's probably some lack in coverage there that Mm -hmm. made it that much cheaper. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you had mentioned we could maybe talk out two different insurance options. Yes. Do you think we have time to do that really quickly? Yes, I will. So um, the two major types of insurance that you guys probably need both of um, or just should have because uh, usually it's pretty affordable to tack on the other um, are commercial general liability. So it's what we refer to as CGL. Commercial general liability is the first one and professional liability is the second one. So commercial general liability is what protects bodily injury and harm and physical property. So or personal property, sorry. So that's what we're talking about when, you know, you go to workshops or you go to people's homes or go to meet clients at a coffee shop. They come to your place, they come to your office, all that kind of stuff. We're also talking about like your home office, your your office space, all that kind of stuff is covered by a commercial general liability. Professional liability, the second one, is what I call oopsies insurance. So that's the insurance that covers anything that you're accused of or that's the result of your actual professional work. So you tell someone to take a supplement, they have a reaction, they sue you. That's the kind of thing that professional liability jumps in and covers. Mm, Okay, that makes a lot of sense between the two. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not sure if you would know much about this, but something that um, was illuminated to me was that there are some insurances um, or coverage that like some are occurrence based. Yes. So even if you, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even if you let's say coach with someone a year ago, but then something went wrong and they wanted to, you know, sue you later on the occurrence based insurance, you'd still be covered. Yeah. So there are two different kinds of insurance policies. So if we were making like a little uh, umbrella, it's like we have CGL, the commercial general liability, and we have the professional liability. And each one of those, you can either get an occurrence policy or what's called claims made. And 99.99999% of you guys have claims made policies. Hardly anybody has an occurrence policy. It's almost impossible to be able to afford it. So Mm -hmm. they tend to be extremely expensive for exactly the reason that Stephanie mentioned. The idea with an occurrence policy is that if the aggrieved uh, or alleged act happened, it occurred when you were working with the person and the coverage, the insurance coverage was in place, then you're covered no matter when the person ends up suing you. So just like Stephanie said, If you are working with someone today and you have insurance in place today to cover that type of work, but that person doesn't sue you for three years from now, but it's based on they're suing you for something that's based on something you told them to do today, 
you would be covered under an occurrence policy, right? That's why it's so expensive because it's like it's like offering you coverage into the future. Mm -hmm. What most of us, if not all, every single person that's probably listening to this, including myself, has is a claims made policy, which is that you need to have insurance in place at the time that the claim is made. And the claim is the complaint. That's like, so if someone sues you three years from now, you need to have business insurance three years from now in order for it to be covered, even if you told the lady the advice today and only worked with her today. So the the thing, just to put everyone's like nerves at ease, is that you can, it's very important that you always have business insurance. It is it's absolutely crucial that you never allow your business insurance to lapse, not even for a day. There can't even be a day of a gap between your coverage. You absolutely can switch insurance policies. You don't have to stay with the same people. You don't have to stay with the same agent. It's just that there can never be a gap in coverage. So you need to have continuous coverage. And the final thing is that if you ever close down your business, or I've had a lot of clients that have changed businesses, so they'll like wrap up one insurance policy and start a new one or something like that. You want to contact your insurance company before you cancel um, and talk with them. A lot of them have these programs available where you'll pay a nominal fee. It's not like your normal um, uh, premiums. And you pay to keep your coverage extended for like one year, two years, three years, four years, whatever. And that keeps it active, even though you're not continuing to pay your premium. So when I closed down my health coaching business, for example, I paid, I think maybe $90 for like three to five years or something like that of additional coverage. So Mm -hmm. it was well worth it, way less than my premiums, but that kept it active. The reason I did that is because we have something called the statute of limitations, which is like people can't sue you in forever in the future. There's like a time limit on how much time they have. And that's called the statute of limitations. So I knew what that was for, you know, what my ideas of what I would be sued for, um, like basically breach of contract or negligence. And so I just extended it. So don't worry. It's not like, it's not a major thing. You just want to be aware of it. It's, It's something really important to be aware of and always very important to be aware that you have to have continual coverage. Mm, that's a really good point. And I like the, you really pointed out, you know, don't lapse the insurance, like make sure you're covered, you know, not even like a day, there's a day in between where you're not covered. I think no, that's a really good idea. Yes. And what they will typically do is like, if you need to cancel or you want to switch insurance policies, what they'll typically do is give you a little bit of a, la- like a layover. So like the one policy will end a few days after the other one begins. So there's some overlap. Mm, okay. Yeah. Great. So it gives that you a little buffer a zone. Sense. Yeah. 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 I like buffers. <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So we've got the practice insurance. And then I know you said one of the most important things, and you talk about this a lot on social media. And it's one thing I never knew that I needed is having a contract. So, can we talk a little bit about a contract, why it's important, maybe what to include on the contract in a basic way? Yes, of course. So contracts are absolutely essential um, to kind of wrap up everything that we've talked about so far. If you ever want to protect yourself or empower yourself to be able to go after something you're owed, like money or content. So contracts are really like in law school, they taught us that contracts are the, the like Latin terms that we used to use for contracts all just stood for meeting of the minds, which I think is a really interesting way of visual, at least for me to, and I always encourage clients like to remember that this is really like you reaching your hand out to your client and saying, this is my offer. And this is my understanding of what our 
um, agreement is going to look like. What do you think? And they're, if they sign it and send it back to you, it's kind of like them shaking their hand and passing it back to you or shaking mm. your hand and passing it back. So it's really important that we remember that contracts are like a two-way street. It really is um, kind of the proof that we have that we are both on the same page and what we've agreed to in terms of what's being provided and for how much and all that kind of stuff. So when it comes to contracts, it's really important to kind of like loop in everything that we've talked about that your contract is between your business and your client. So you need written proof, right? That you have an LLC or you have your incorporated or whatever it is, that, whatever business entity you have, you the contract is what gives you the written proof that you have that and that that relationship between you and your client was established between your LLC and your client. Because if the client, for example, tries to sue you personally, the contract would be the first thing that you would whip out and be like, nope, I have an LLC and they knew that. And that's how I operate. My business is under my LLC. You can see it here on my website and here on my social and and here, right here at the top of our contract where it says Sam Vanderwillen LLC and Sarah Smith, you know, hereby agree to whatever. So it's really important because that will give you the written proof that you need to not be personally liable in anything. Um, it will also be the document that you need to be able to go after something that you're owed. So if someone stops paying or if someone steals your content or copies your program after joining it, something that more of my business coach mm -hmm. clients experience. Um, so that is very, very important. And in terms of the Kind of the structure of contracts. I mean, that is something that is really important is done by an attorney. Um, you should get something that's written from an attorney, at least. I just see people piece together their own a lot and they tend to be um, just pretty inadequate and they're not actually going to cover you. A lot of times what I'll see, and maybe you've seen me do this on social, Stephanie, is that I'll talk about like having, if there's like a key provision missing, it can be big, big trouble um, in terms of protecting yourself, right? And really being able to assert your rights as a business owner. So you don't want to miss that opportunity. But I think like the biggest thing I can say in terms of what should be in it or structure is really like the who, what, where, when, how kind of stuff. So it's like be really descriptive about exactly what's provided. Are there phone calls? Are they Zoom calls? Are you, do you offer support? Is it Monday through Friday, nine to five? Like how long does it take you to respond? Is it text or email? both, you know, whatever, be very clear, like over, almost annoyingly descriptive. Um, <laughs> that's what I always say. Um, because I think that leaves little room for misunderstandings, which is really good. Um, obviously when it comes to payment, you want to be very clear about payment. If you're breaking things into payment plans or, uh, installments, then you want to be really clear about how much by what means, you know, PayPal or credit card or whatever, um, exactly what date, what happens if they don't pay? How much time do they have left to rectify it? You know, all that kind of stuff. It just, you don't want there to be any questions. You just kind of want to lay out. And I think one thing that my clients would probably tell you is that they, the more you work with people, situations just come up that you're like, oh, I didn't realize I needed that. Um, like one thing, for example, for a lot of my nutrition and coaching clients is, uh, so if someone buys like a six month package with you, having to say in the contract that all of their sessions have to be used within the six months because otherwise yeah. people will take their six months and spread it over a year. So um, even just things like that, that you kind of learn through practice. Yes, I totally agree. And I think it even comes down to boundaries. It's like asserting boundaries between you and your client, not just for you, but like you said, like, what is it? Meeting of the minds, like 
you're, you know, shaking hands on, it's, it's just as much for you and your business and just as much for the client so that they have expectations or understand the boundaries of like, what happens within the coaching relationship. Oh, yes, for sure. My client and friend, Brianna Rose, she's a light leader coach uh, online. She's amazing. And she always says that she thinks that contracts are like an energetic shift in between people because um, it really is like stepping up, not only stepping up to the plate, but really clearing those uh, like, I thought she was going to include this or like, I thought this was going to happen. And we can get rid of a lot of those like icky misunderstandings, resentment, disappointment stuff if we just have it clearly written in a contract. Yeah, that's that's so very true. Yeah, I like that, especially making sure that when are the sessions going to be used by like how much time, mm-hmm. what's the expiry, the payment details, you know, all of these things that when I realized I needed a contract, I was like, oh, this is why things haven't been going as smoothly. Mm-hmm. If I only I had this in a contract, there would have been something set in stone that would have illustrated to my clients that these are, again, the terms and conditions, or this is, um, I guess, the boundaries in the in the relationship, like I mentioned earlier. Um, and I know personally that I will go back and make edits to my contract as mm-hmm. things come up. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you should be doing. Yeah, you should keep it current and keep it, you know, as you experience something, everybody's business is unique. And that's why like, I, I hate seeing people copy and paste from other people, because like what someone else is doing in their business might not work for you. And that might not be the way that you do business, which is okay, because a lot of times there's actually not a right or wrong, or any one way of doing it. It's actually just what's most important is that it applies to you specifically in your business. Um, so I think like another positive side effect that people have seen from contracts is just that it gets like the right clients in the door, you know, the people who are, um, what I call like the testing out people like, Oh, I'll see how this goes. And then maybe I'll just bounce if this isn't working for me, um, aren't probably going to commit to a contract. And so that's something where we really have to work on our scarcity mindset and say like, you know, the right people are going to come in. I'm calling in the right clients. I'm not. I'm not here to try to serve every single person in the world. It's I'm trying to serve like the right clients and the right clients will respect me and pay my services and all that good stuff. Yes, Sam, thank you for saying that. That is so important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I, I keep bringing up boundaries, but it's really like not not using this business as a hobby business, like really being serious that, you know, this is your your livelihood. This is your passion, but you are allowed to still set terms around what that looks like for you and and set boundaries so that you feel, I for lack of a better word, you just feel good about it. It feels really clean and good and it feels um, exciting to you to actually want to promote your business and not, you know, hide it because you're not sure if it's legally legit. Yes, for sure. Yeah, you can promote yourself and and stop hiding behind this, like all these what ifs and these anxieties and worries. And um, one thing that I think has been really cool to watch women go through is that when they have like legit contracts and website policies, it actually takes the personal element out of it. So when someone writes to you and asks you for refund, instead of saying, I don't accept refunds, it can shift to language like as stated in your contract or as stated in the terms and conditions you agreed to at checkout, there are no refunds allowed. So it really shifts it off of like you having to feel bad and guilty that you're being mean and jerk for not giving a refund or not doing this or that or the other thing. Um, 
or even for like on the offense, like enforcing your content policy and not allowing people to steal your photos or something, instead of being like, I want you to take it down. It's like, as stated in my content sharing policy here, uh, mm -hmm. you're, you actually had to ask for permission before sharing this first. So I actually think that's kind of cool too. Like it shifts some of that responsibility. And I think that even to like what Stephanie's saying, I think that even forces you or encourages you lovingly to step into that CEO role and be like, I own a business. This isn't just like me out there floating around posting on social, asking people to take stuff down. Like this is my business's content. This is my business's property. I'm going to enforce it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's super, super important. So thank you. This has been wonderful. I mean, I've learned so much and it's really at least given me the confidence of um, knowing the steps that need to be put in process, kind of the one thing after another um, and, and really reminding all of us that having um, practice insurance and a, and a really solid contract is key. Like it has to be one of the first things or the first thing that you do when starting your business. Yes, for sure. And I, I hope that everybody today, at least uh, we illuminated some timing myths and you know the benefits of having this stuff in place before. And and as I always say too, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh shoot, I'm, you know, I'm already working with people or I'm already doing this or that. I always say, as soon as you become aware of it, just tackle it. Um, it's okay. And there's really no point in wasting any time beating yourself up for not having tackled it earlier. It's like, now you know better, you do better and we can just move forward. Yeah, just implement from this point on and mm -hmm. you're good. Yeah. Exactly. So why don't you share with us, you've talked a lot about your um, legal bundle or what's the name of it? Is it the legal Fearlessly bundle? Legal Ultimate Bundle. Yeah. Ooh, I love the name. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you share with us all um, what that looks like and also just like where people can find you now because I'm sure everybody wants to be on Team Sam and follow you and learn from you because you are a wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you. Well, I would love to invite you all to connect. I would love to chat with you. And I know this stuff can bring up a lot of individual questions. So I'm uh, there for you and happy to answer any questions. So you can find me on my website, which is samvanderwielen.com. Um, I'm sure that Stephanie will share the link so you don't have to spell my crazy last name. Um, in terms of on social, I'm most active on Instagram. I'm just at samvanderwielen. And then um, I have a free Facebook community for you guys called Fearless Vampire. That's F-E-M-M-E-P-I-R-E. -E. Um, Fearless Vampire is a community where I host free trainings teaching you kind of bite-sized parts that go a little deeper, but bite-sized topics of like what we've been talking about today. So there are tons of trainings inside there already on pretty much every single thing we've talked about today. Um, and then, of course, if you know now that you need to get legal templates or you need to get some of these steps taken care of that we've talked about today. I help women in two ways. So you can get any of my legal templates, any contract or website policy that you need a la carte um, on my website, samvanderwillen.com, because they are all there as instant downloads and they all come with a how-to walkthrough tutorial, video tutorial that I filmed for each and every template um, walking you through exactly how to fill it out, translating what it means and showing you how to implement it. And then the other way that I can help you get legally legit is through that fearlessly legal ultimate bundle program. So that's my program where you get 10 legal templates, plus you get 23 short, but super practical video trainings from me on topics like how to register your business, how to work with clients online, how to build that email list, think, use things like copyrights and trademarks to protect your content, how to get paid, send contracts, all that fun stuff. So that's really my signature program in the ultimate bundle. Um, and I would love for you to learn more, invite you to learn more through my website. Um, and of course you can always contact me with any questions. 
Yeah, that that bundle sounds incredible. It sounds like the one stop shop for everything legal. And, you know, again, with confidence, it sounds like you really walk people through. I love that you do videos and you really explain it. So again, it takes the fear out of what this could look like or how this could feel to have to fill out these forms on your own. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah, I know that you also mentioned to me before we started recording that you have a training coming up soon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So I'm so excited. Um, in just a couple of weeks, so it'll be right after we put out this episode, but we'll, we'll be sure to update you guys um, so that you have this resource available to you. But in just a few weeks, I'm coming out with a free on-demand workshop um, called The First Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business. So it's going to be awesome because you're going to, A, be able to schedule it on your own time. Um, so it's a workshop that I've created for you where I walk you through um, in a bit more detail every single thing that we've talked about here today. Um, um, and one thing we didn't tackle was website policy. So that will be one of the other parts that that I dive into in that workshop. So you'll be able to schedule a time that works for you, dive into that workshop. Um, it, it'll come with like a little workbook and everything. So it's going to be super, super, I, I think, helpful to people who are just need to hear and kind of work through all this stuff maybe one more time. So um I will share the link with you guys as soon as it's ready. And if you're on my email list or if you join my email list after hearing this today, you'll be the first ones to receive it. But um, I'm really excited to share that with you guys soon. That's exciting. I'm totally going to sign up for that because it sounds wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait to share it with you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sam. This has been truly wonderful. Like I said, your wealth of knowledge. You have so much inside that brain of yours to share with our community. (laughs) So thank you. And yeah, just looking forward um, to for everyone to actually implement what they talked or what you talked about today and go from there. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.